Good evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier, and I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us, and more importantly, for standing for righteousness and justice. In this episode, we're going to talk about discipleship and what the Lord is doing in this time and in this season. And in it, the Lord brought me to 1 Samuel chapter 22, where the Lord begins to discuss the type and the group of people that came to David while David was in the midst of, well, running away from Saul, trying to just stay alive. And it says this, this is verse 1 of 1 Samuel 22. It says, So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. And then it says this in verse 2. Everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, and he became captain over them. Now there was about 400 men with him. And that's where the Lord started discussing with me about discipleship and what he's doing in discipleship, his thoughts on, on it, and what he's trying to do is this. He is building his army. You know, that's something that he discussed throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. And we see examples of what the Lord's army, what he purposed it to look like. Whether, you, whether it's in Gideon, and oftentimes we talk about Gideon's, the 300 men that went with Gideon and had these amazing, this amazing victory. But let's not forget that that was whittled down from about, I believe it started with 30,000, and then the Lord whittled that down to 22,000. And out of those 22,000, only 300 remained. They were ready. They were alert. The, the Lord said... These ones are the ones that will go with you. So there's a preparedness that, that comes as a result or that's required in being part of an army. And that's in any natural army. How much more so the army of the Lord? You know, oftentimes we, we tend to or have taught about discipleship as, well, we just have to make Jesus our Lord and our Savior. And that's true. That is, that is a, the first step. That's part of it. But then there's a training up and a preparedness that comes. And oftentimes, the world will try to tell you that, well, after you enter in, then you have to focus on yourself and deal with the things in your life that need to be dealt with so you can help others. But I tell you that's not true. That's not true in the army of the Lord. That's not true of his of discipleship. And that's not true of any natural army. So let's take a look at that, shall we? And the first place we're going to go to, we're just going to look at Jesus and his disciples. We're going to look at the first disciples that Jesus called. And we'll look at Matthew chapter 4, starting at 18. <clears throat> excuse me, says this. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, 
and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea. And they were fishermen, and he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from where he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And it's not the only account of this. You can also find it in the book of Mark, chapter 1. I shall turn there quickly and give you two different accounts. And that begins in verse 16. It says, As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. And then if we continue in Mark, it talks about how they went to Capernaum and they heard the Lord's teaching. So as I was Reflecting on this, the Lord reminded me of those who, I could say veterans, those who have served and are are serving actively in the military. You know, every nation is a little different, but in the United States, a person has to choose. They have to volunteer to serve. Yes, other nations conscript for a period of time, their, their military forces. But the United States, there's, it's different. It's an all-volunteer army, all-volunteer military, excuse me. Every person that is in the military volunteered. They raised their hand and said, I'll go and serve. And, of course, there was a whole process to that. They had to sign paperwork that, right, that demonstrated they are willingness to to go and to serve yes for their own betterment but also for the betterment of the nation to defend it against all enemies foreign and domestic and what's interesting is no one in the military says okay i'm going to sign up and then i expect to sit at home and i expect paychecks and everything else to 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 roll in even though i haven't done anything yet for the military. I just expected my life situation to get better because I volunteered. But no, they immediately, or in a very short period of time, depending on the contracts, are sent to boot camp where they learn the basics of what's required. What's required of them, how to function, in whatever branch of service they chose and to prepare them for where they will be sent to next. (coughs) Whatever additional training and schooling is required so that they are able to function in the role that they have volunteered for and agreed to serve in. 
they immediately go. They, in the same manner as what the Lord set up, and as we just read about the first disciples, they are required to leave their homes, their families, everything they have, and learn what's required of them and how to function. It becomes no longer about them. It becomes more about the person next to them. And fulfilling their part and their role to alleviate any undue stress or pressure or add any additional burden to those serving alongside them. Shouldn't this be the same way in the army of the Lord? It should be even more so. It should be even more so. It's a far greater army. The Lord talks about this repeatedly in Scripture, that He is raising up an army. Joel 2.11 says this, The Lord raises His voice in the presence of His army. Indeed, His camp is very large. For mighty are those who obey His command. For the day of the Lord is great and very dreadful. Who can endure it? Isn't the same thing said about those that have gone and experienced combat? That is dreadful. But yet, they not only endured, they came out victorious. Many did. There are, there are many that gave their lives in defense of the nation. And the nation isn't just about the land, it isn't just about the buildings, but it's about the people, the citizens of that nation. But let's look at the Lord's requirements in this, because it absolutely matters, right? We were just read about how even the first disciples immediately left all they had to go sit at Jesus' feet, to be trained up, raised up for the role and the job that Jesus had for them to do. And yes, it was intense. For them, it was a period of about three and a half years of literally living alongside our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But let's look at what Jesus said the cost of discipleship is. That's in Luke 14, and I'll read 25 through 35. It says, Now large crowds were, ga- were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, when he wants to build a tower, does he not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is unable to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider 
whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Therefore, salt is good, but if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless, either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, this is extremely important because in there he, he talks about the exact same things that he required of the very first disciples he chose. It's not about hatred. It's about they, while they loved their father and mother and honored them and all the, the cultural things that were required, nothing else stood in the place of their love for their Lord and Savior. What he commanded was what they were going to do above any and everything else. And isn't that exactly what boot camp teaches you? Now, yes, there are absolute benefits and blessings to being in the military, and they're not always talked about. But let's understand and recognize that they come from serving, from being a part of, from operating and functioning in the role, in the place that soldier, sailor, airman, or marine was designed, was, or volunteered to serve in. There is, of course, the pay benefits. Now, there are also additional or special pay benefits. Housing is included in that and taken care of. There are a number of different, medical, dental, all these different things are included in that. As they serve, they get those, they get to participate and experience the blessings and benefits of that. Which also benefits their own personal life and the life of their family. But isn't that not unlike what the Lord has already, it's a type and shadow of what the Lord had already put in place? That he be our God and we be his people? He's our father and we're his children. That we do as he commands. Our obedience demonstrates our love for him and our trust or faith in him. And we receive blessings and benefits by being a part of his family. Again, as he is our father and we are his children. Not by being in opposition to. There's discipline required as a result of that. In the military, there would be consequences. And for the United States military, non-judicial punishment or NJP. For those that choose to be in opposition, that refuse to follow certain rules or that broke or violated certain articles of judgment. So let's understand that in full. The blessings and benefits come as a result of being a part of and remaining a part of. 
Uh, yes, the Lord rains his blessings on both the just and the unjust. People that have violated the laws still receive a blessing and a benefit. It's not always the full blessing and benefit, though. There are things that are missed out on. So let's understand this in full. The choosing. Let's look at Matthew 4. Excuse me. Let's look at Luke 18. Sorry. Yes, Luke 18, 29 and 30. And it says this. Peter, well, when Peter, I'll read it 28, because Peter had made this statement, talking about the rich young ruler, when Jesus asked him the same things, to give up everything and follow him, to sell all his goods to the poor. Because he said, I, I've followed all the laws, I've done everything from my youth. And he says, okay, good, now sell everything you have. But the rich young ruler walked away. That was a, a cost that was too much, much more than he could bear. When in verse 28 says, And Peter said, Behold, we have left our own homes and followed you. And he, that's Jesus, said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom who will not receive many times as much as this time and in the age to come eternal life. But it's not the only place that that's said. It's also in Mark, chapter 10, verses 29 and 30. Is, oh, giving another recount of the story. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many are first, will be last, and the last first. And this is an important point, so we're going to look at the, the last time this is said also. But you have Matthew 19. And it begins in verse 24. It says, again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, excuse me. That's, um, begins in verse 27. Peter said to him, behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is incredibly important for us to understand. In the Lord's army, just like any other army, 
requires people to be steadfast, to remain. There are orders or and commandments and commands that the Lord gives to follow. They must not be ignored. And yes, he also intends and purposes to take care of your situation, to better your standing. Going back to 1 Samuel, those people that came to David while David was on the run, yes, his own family, but then as you read in 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. All of those people, that's how they came. And in many cases, from militaries all over, they volunteered, they made that choice because they recognized that it volunteering, that being a part of the military was going to help them. It was better than where they were currently at. It gave them a greater purpose in what they were about to do and embark on than they were currently functioning in their own life. It was going to benefit and bless them and their family, their spouse and their children, their community, and again, ultimately the nation and the world. Well, guess what? That's exactly what's in the plan of the Lord. His plan is his purpose, is his covenant, is his will. Is that he would be our God and we would be his people. And in that's his overarching plan. And in his plan includes deliverance and healing and a whole host of other things. Prosperity and the like. Those individuals that came to David did not remain in that state. Yes, there was work that was required. It wasn't just sit down and, and kick back. Resting. There was work to be done. They too needed to be trained up. They needed to defend themselves. They, def they also were used to defend others. To deliver others. To protect others. To bless others. By the gifts that were in them. That when they were trained up. They knew how to use them and how to function in them for the benefit of others, to minister to others their needs. And that was here on this earth. Shouldn't we as believers, as Christians, reflect the Lord and his army in the heavens? Isn't that exactly part of the Lord's prayer? It's people that will obey the Lord's voice. He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's renew our mind on this, on what being a disciple looks like. Let's receive the Lord's thoughts and his ways. And let us be prepared. It was also his commandment, make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And though those people that are prepared are functioning in and on this earth.
doing all the things he told us about in Ephesians concerning the armor of the Lord. Putting on the full armor of God that we're able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And we're to stand firm as prepared people, disciples of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Didn't he state that even about John the Baptist? What did you expect to see? A reed shaking in the wind? No, he was someone that stood firm. Even when the situation, the circumstance, in his case, was seemingly the worst environment imaginable. He stood firm. Jesus stood firm. We are also required to stand firm in our faith. Demonstrating our love, our hope, and our faith in our Lord. And that is demonstrated by our obedience to him. So I just want to encourage you with that and help us to renew our minds. Proving to be his disciples, to be mighty men and women of valor. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We are part of the Lord's army. Let us demonstrate that. Let us stand for his righteousness and justice in our lives every moment of every day just like in the natural armies. It's often said, you're a soldier, sailor, airman, or marine, 24 hours a day. There's no break. There's no rest, period. That is who we are. And we are prepared. And if we're not, let's get prepared. Let's be a people prepared ready for our Lord. Amen and amen. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.